running away from people now. 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fati was always soft. Can't uh, win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass end zone. Touchdown and the ball game. DeVito in relief wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fontes. We welcome you into a Friday edition of Orange Nation, leading you into the weekend. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. Just one guest lined up for you today. We've got our good friend David DeGuzman. He covers Liberty football down in Roanoke, Virginia. We'll have him on at 1220. David, uh, former student of mine, former Q-Sky now uh, working down in Roanoke, Virginia. He'll fill us in on the Flames. And that's where we begin, Seth, with a game tomorrow that it may be in some ways the most important one of the season for the SU football team. You know, you and I have both said we don't think that the, the record all that matter, you know, doesn't matter all that much uh, here in 2020. I think this game matters to some degree. Um, because it's Liberty, because of how this would look if they were to lose, because of what this would mean for the rest of the season. If you don't win this one, if you can't beat Liberty at home, um, you know where else are your wins coming from? And as we said at the beginning of the year, five and six doesn't matter, you know, opposed to four and seven or six and five, but one and ten or you know two and nine, that that would feel like it would matter. That would feel like a step back. And I know the injuries and everything associated with this game and the opt-outs and you know Syracuse is in, in rough shape right now roster-wise. We talked about that at length on the show yesterday. I feel like if you lose the Liberty, though, those are excuses, right? Just You, you need to, given the circumstances, I know what they are, you need to go out and you need to win this game tomorrow. I agree. Um, I I have been a proponent of, and and I think that if you've listened to the show, you know this, and, and I know you know this too, I don't feel like the record matters this year. I don't feel like it's a tangible difference. You know, I, I just, I don't think, I, I don't see how you can justify it mattering that you went four and seven versus two and nine. You know, not this year. I just, I don't, I don't care. Um, that being said, this game matters. You, this cannot... This has to be, if you're only going to win two games, this has to be one of those two games. It absolutely has to be one of those you two know, games. Sal and I used to talk about this on the show, um, and our example was Wake Forest. He always used to say, I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care where the game's being played. I don't care you know, if Wake is senior-laden and, and you're young. Doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter. You beat Wake Forest every year. Right. And, and, and you I need feel like, to beat Liberty any time right. they are on your schedule. And that, this game has that feel for me. Yes, and I don't care that you're starting Rex Culpepper. I don't care that you have eight healthy offensive linemen. I don't care that you're down Andre Sisco and Eric Coley in the secondary. Um, none of it, none of it matters. Like, you need to win this game. You Absolutely know, need to. The the more that, that you look at this team and and you look at you know the opponent coming in in, in Liberty, 
they're better than you want them to be. I mean, they are, and they're favored for a reason. And yes, some of it is the fact that that Syracuse is so banged up, and Tommy DeVito's not out there. And you laid out all the injuries. We talked with Nate Mink yesterday. Fourteen guys that were on the two deep, uh, you know, at the the beginning of preseason practice are are now you know out in some capacity, whether you know out for the season or out with injury or opting out of the season. Uh, in the case of Jarvion Howard and, and Abdul Adams. Um, but you know, so that's part of the three-point spread. But the other part of it is Liberty's not bad. I mean, they've got a quarterback that went to Auburn and transferred in. They've got a lot of transfers on their roster, guys that were at other D1 programs that for whatever reason it didn't work out, and they weren't getting a lot of playing time, and they decided to transfer in. Um, they can run the football. You know, their quarterback, Malik Willis, he's he's averaging over 100 rushing yards per game. Um, this is a really good rushing attack that Syracuse is going to see. And we saw what Duke did to the Orange last week. I think there are a lot of reasons to be concerned if you're an SU fan. Absolutely. I think that there are reasons to be concerned. I, I agree with you. Um, I question how good of a 4-0 team they are because of who they've played. Absolutely. And, you know, Mike Cousins, was, Mike Cousins was on with Brent earlier this week. He called the their their game last week against Louisiana Monroe said Louisiana Monroe might be the worst team in FCS football might be the, in FBS football might be the worst team he's seen covering college football I mean that that's how bad he thinks that opponent was last week so I, I think that we do have to put this in the proper context in some ways um, but that being said like you mentioned they do have threats they do have you know a quarterback who is very mobile who you know was at Auburn and was challenging Bo Nix for a starting job before last season only to transfer and end up at at Liberty you know you have a coach who has had success at the highest levels of college football you know beating Alabama he's one of the only coaches to beat Nick Saban multiple times you know and and he's been able to do that and been successful with his system and what with what he's got so um yeah I mean I think that there is reason to to be concerned absolutely no doubt Uh, but again this is a team that is a year and a half removed from playing FCS football that does not have a full complement of legitimate FBS players quite yet. That is not up to the standard. And I know that right now you don't either if you're Syracuse. You don't have a full complement of F- <laughs> FBS players because you're down to 60 or fewer. And when we talked to Nate, and we mentioned this before we talked to Nate yesterday, it's as if they got hit with some of the hardest NCAA sanctions that have ever been handed out the way that their roster is constructed right now. But, but, you have to go beat them. I mean, you you need to go win this game. And I think it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be a struggle, but... You've got to find a way to win this game. Well, as you were laying that whole thing out, that was going to be my response to you. Was that you know look at look at SU and the shape that they're in right now. Um, it, they've lost so many guys for various reasons that it feels like this this game is is being played more on an even playing field. Like if I guess my point is this: if Liberty comes in tomorrow and wins, I don't know how much of an upset it's going to be. And, well, and no, that's, they're favored. No, I know, but I'm saying like when you look at talent, you know. In terms of talent, right? Who has the more talented players? I don't think it's. I don't think there's this huge gap that you would expect between Syracuse and Liberty. Like last year, at the beginning of last season, they played them in the opener. Syracuse did not play well, and they shut them out. And the game was never in doubt. The game you was know, never was, in doubt. I was going to say that you 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 look back to last year's game, and yeah, it was only twenty four nothing. 
and they never really separated themselves until the fourth quarter, but you never felt like Liberty was going to put something together and win. Right. That would have felt like an upset, and that felt like there was a gap in talent. Syracuse won that game last year because they, they had better athletes. They had better football players. And even though they didn't play well, they were good enough to to overcome Liberty and, and again, shut them out. They didn't even play well, and they shut them out. Um, I don't think that's the case this year. <laughs> like You look at, at the talent that, that Syracuse has that, that they're going to be putting on the field tomorrow. A lot of really young guys, especially on the defensive side of the football, you're going to be going with Rex Culpepper as your starting quarterback. I mean, who's better, Culpepper or Willis? I mean, that's a legitimate question. Again, I, right. I think we'll see tomorrow, but this is a guy that, again, was recruited by Auburn, went to Auburn, wasn't getting playing time, decided to well, transfer. And, you know, his numbers, and I know the competition you pointed out, it, it, that's a fair point. He's averaging more than seven yards per carry, he's averaging more than 100 yards on the ground. And that was SU's Achilles heel last week against Duke. I mean, they just they got run all over by the Blue Devils. Um, so that concerns me. This this team can run the football. They've got a really good running back out of the, the Rochester area and Joshua Mack. He's averaging better than six yards per carry. Think they're going to try to run the football tomorrow? I do. Yeah, of course they are. And you know what? I'll say they'll do more than try. I think they'll be very successful yeah. running the football because for the most part, teams have been successful this year. Now, last weekend took that success to another level. You know, I think that the the Duke running game for whatever reasons, maybe it was injuries on the back end of the defense, which I don't know that Andre Sisco and Eric Coley are doing that to your run defense, but they were able to take advantage of it to a greater extent. They were able to go and gash you, whereas previously they were just, you know, they, they were giving up yardage, but it wasn't killing you in the run game. If your safeties are being relied upon to stop the run, that's not You've got a good problems. sign. Because that means they're getting to the safeties. That exactly. Means the, that means right. the running backs are getting to the safeties and not, <laughs> they haven't been tackled. And that's why I said I don't know what Andre Sisco and, and Eric Coley were doing in the run game. Because, yeah, it's problematic if you're sa- if you're leaning on your safety to go make plays in the running game. That is an issue. Yeah, and, that is and a I'm, problem. listen, I'm sure it makes a difference that Coley's not out there and Cisco and that and that they've got is, you know issues in the the defensive backfield. Um, but that's not the main reason why Duke was able to to run the football. No, I they mean, ran because the off the the defensive line and the linebackers didn't make plays, and they were just they were better up front on both sides of the ball. They were better up front. That better not happen tomorrow. Can't. Liberty better not be you know getting a bigger push up front than Syracuse. Like the Syracuse guys need to be. You know, I, I think we the talked about this. We talked about tomorrow. this last year, um, and I think we talked about it later in the year. Not not the Liberty game because we didn't know how bad the the offensive line was at the Liberty game. You know, we didn't realize it yet going into that game. Um, you can't be allowing like six sacks to Liberty. Yeah, you know, like on a, on a very basic level, like on a very basic and fundamental level, like Aaron Service should be able to push some guys around. Again, you hope. Matthew Bergeron should be able to push some guys around. You you hope that, like that you can would, happen. You would think that they don't allow six or seven sacks tomorrow. I mean, if they do, uh, man, pray for us as we come into to work on Monday. Pray for <laughs> Seth on the postgame show. Yeah, pray for Seth, pray for Brent, <laughs> pray for me. Um, that better not happen tomorrow. Uh, 315-437-7644. To the phone lines we go. Pat and Syracuse kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Pat. Hey guys, thank you for taking my call. Of course. What do you got for us? 
Man, I'll tell you, this offensive line is just got awful. You know, I wish I could say it's all on the offensive line, but I think Mike Cadillac's got to go. He's just no good. And then, you know, I think at the end of the day, with the new waiver thing that's been granted by NCAA, I think you really have to hit this thing hard with going after getting three three offensive linemen that are ready to go and compete for a job, a starting job right away this offseason. Um, it's sad that we got to talk about offseason already, but, you know, with Gino... If he if he goes back another another year at the end of the day, I think he's gone next year. If he if, he, if next year he doesn't improve, and you got to go after an offensive line hard, uh, be like get into these guys like there's definitely playing time available. There's definitely starting time. You know, if you come to Syracuse, you're gonna start because our offensive line is awful. We need you. Like that's that's what you got to do with these recruits. Say we need you to get them in into Syracuse because this offensive line. Someone's going to get killed out there. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you checking in, Pat. Um, there's no doubt that they need to improve that position. And I think that that is, when you look at the roster, and, and we had that conversation yesterday, Seth, about um, you know the, the roster numbers and how everything's down and, and how it's concerning, especially at the offensive line position. That's what jumps off the page of you is that why in year five is that particular position still such an issue and as we've discussed you you know you lost some guys to injuries you lost some guys to transfers you missed on some other guys um, but you're you're in a tough spot here where you started the season with 13 you're down to eight half of those are either guys who didn't play that position last year or true freshmen they, they weren't on your roster as an offensive lineman half of your offensive linemen right now were not on your roster last year as offensive linemen um, it is certainly a position. It is that is certainly a position that needs to be addressed, and we've discussed the the difficulties with that. That it is a, a tough position to evaluate in high school. Um, I, I I do think going the junior college route can be beneficial to Syracuse, and you know Pat's right. There is playing time to be had right away. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe that's how you build up your offensive line. And, and you know, I don't. Again, we don't. We don't say those things to make excuses. They are reasons why you're in this position. Uh, but all of a sudden, you're at eight offensive linemen. And again, I'll repeat what we talked about yesterday. The ACC's COVID policy is that you have to have seven. A- and Or you have to have more than seven. Like The rule is you have to have more than seven offensive linemen going into a game. Syracuse has eight. And now if they fall to seven, you know, if somebody gets hurt this week, right? Like You don't wish it on anybody. But if one of the five guys gets hurt this week and then you're going into Clemson with seven, well, guess what? That doesn't trigger a cancellation because it's a COVID policy. It's not a roster size limit uh, minimum policy. It is a COVID roster size minimum policy. So it wouldn't automatically trigger something. And now all of a sudden you're going to go against the number one team in the country with the biggest guys, with the fastest guys, the strongest guys, four guys who are going to be NFL players. And you're going to be down to seven offensive linemen. Like, that's that's a serious issue to be looking at going into next week's game. And you have to hope that they're able to get out of this week healthy. And, and you know, some of this isn't isn't these guys' fault, right? I mean, like, Carlos Vettorello, Bergeron, like, they were thrown into the fire last year probably, and I, I don't think there's really any probably about it, likely before they were ready, right? They had to play. Um, and, and so Veterello in particular. Right. And and so they're, they're listen, they're, 
they're getting um, beaten up a little bit, and and they're getting experienced the hard way. Um, and you hope that it pays off, right? I mean, you hope going into you know next year. I mean, you're going to have you're still going to have three years out of Veterello if he wants them, because this this year doesn't count against three you. Three out of Bergeron, right? another three for out service. Of Bergeron, three out of Bleich, um, service. You know, so it, there is there is light at the end of the tunnel. You hope. Um, but these guys need to continue to get better and continue to develop. You know, they're just they're they've shown over the course of the last year and a half they just they're they're not ready. They were thrown into the fire before they were ready to be out there. And now you hope that that all these live reps and live bullets that they face, uh, for lack of a better term, pays off in the next year or two. But I, I don't or, know, I don't know as if it's going to pay off this year. Or and I hate to say this one, or you've now seen these guys for two years and this is what they are. I think you know, we've and seen I, and I Bergeron hate, and Vettorello get better, though. I mean, I think so, too, but, you know, Vettorello in particular is now playing on his second full season. Bergeron is is in, what, game seven starting this weekend? It's right. going to be his seventh start. So, like, maybe there's some more room for growth, but at what point do you say this is what these guys are? This is, you know, who they are as offensive linemen, as football players, generally speaking. And we had the conversation specifically about Tommy DeVito a couple of weeks ago where we were saying, all right, at what point do you just make the determine uh, the determination that this is Tommy DeVito and he's just, this is him as a quarterback. He's not good enough. He's not going to get better. Like, at what point do you make that determination about the offensive linemen? The difference is you have nobody else to put in on the offensive line. You don't have anybody to get live game reps and see if they're better. Yeah, and I, I hear what you're saying. You know, at what point is this just who he is, you know, in, in terms of Tommy DeVito and, and you're bringing up, you know, in terms of Veterello and Bergeron. I do think with with the big guys up front, though, that the older they get, the more mature they get, the bigger and stronger that they get, that generally helps them at their, at their position. So I do think that there's hope for those young guys moving forward. Um, you know, DeVito at the quarterback position – I was starting to wonder if this is who he is, you know, now in his fourth year in the program. Um, but, you know, we, we see flashes of, oh, wow, this is this kid's got a cannon for an arm. But we also see flashes the other way of poor decisions like running out of bounds and taking a three-yard loss instead of throwing the ball away, Those you know, or, or making bad decisions with turnovers. Th- those are the things that can't happen. Um, it, it's... Listen, until you fix the offensive line, the, the offense as a whole won't be fixed. I think we all understand that. The coaches certainly understand that. And there's no easy fix to an offensive line. It's not like one player can come in and change everything. It's not like if Chris Bleich was here. I think he would help. But it's not like he would solve all the problems instantaneously like a dynamite quarterback can solve problems at that position. You need that unit to function together. And until they're all up to speed, you're only as good as your weakest link, right? And, and so until... All five are up to speed. You're you're going to continue to to have these issues, and there's just no depth at that position, as we've discussed. It's that's concerning. Year five, and there's no depth at the offensive line position. Something Dino Babers and his staff certainly need to address this off season. All right, we do need to take our first time out. When we return, David De Guzman from WFXR in Roanoke, Virginia. He'll preview the Liberty Flames for us. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. 
Stephen Seth back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation, leading you into the weekend. 315-437-7644 as we go to the phone lines to bring on Scooter in Jamesville. Hey, Scooter, how are you today? Hey, guys. Uh, first, uh, Steve, I had a Bridge Street question for okay. you. Um, is it in your contract? I heard that they force you to watch Dance with the Stars and, and, and the Bachelorette. Is Indeed. that part of the... Steve? Yeah, and what's next? Are they going to make you go to a Michael Bolton concert or what? <laughs> so, true story, we uh, we actually interviewed Derek Huff today after oh, the show, okay. so he's going to be on the show on Monday from Dancing yeah. with the Stars, and then we're interviewing The Bachelorette on Whoa. Monday for Tuesday's oh, show, huge. so you will not want to miss uh, next week's miss Bridge that. Street. Yeah. yeah, well, I tell you, don't. Don't miss a Michael Bolton concert. Uh, <laughs> the worst, the worst concert I went to. But demographically, it's usually eighty percent women and twenty percent guys that can't find an excuse to get out of it. So, <laughs> so I caught them right? up in Seneca, Niagara, and I, it, that, was, that, was, that was the worst. But, but uh, I still, I still go back to the the, the loss to Temple because you got to look at Temple. They want to kick them out of the league. Okay, right. they want to get rid of them, and. You know, Syracuse wasn't that totally bad. I mean, if you look at the point spread, I and you know you, you play in Philadelphia, and it's almost like playing now. There's nobody in the stands. You know, eighty thousand seat arena. You know, they're playing. I know what they called it back then, but uh, you know, you're actually playing in the you know with the Eagles. They're even playing on campus. And like I said, it, it, it if that didn't put almost like the final coffin in, in Pasquale, you know. No, it's just to me that that, that that and that Rutgers lost actually at, at Rutgers was probably the second worst. But if you go back, uh, you know, you know, but that Temple loss, man, I'm telling you, it's it's it still leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah, I mean that that's what I go back to as well. Akron certainly, as I said yesterday, comes to mind for me because it was Akron uh, back in 2008 under Greg Robinson. But if you go back to the previous regime. Yeah, I think that that stretch where in three consecutive years, Seth, and I know you were, you know, pretty young back young. then. Um, but 2002, they lost at Temple by a point. 2003, they lost at Rutgers, and the game wasn't really close. Lost 24 to seven. And then the following year, 2004, they lost at Temple again, 34 24, and that was kind of the. Uh, you know, as, as Scooter said, that was that kind of did in Coach P. They you know they won the following week against BC, became bowl eligible, and then uh, just got annihilated um, by Georgia Tech in the Champ Sports Bowl. And then you know Coach P, even though he got a vote of confidence, was done shortly thereafter. And uh, we know what happened from there with the, so, the hiring of Greg Robinson. So you go to those three. The Akron one is obviously on the list too, and you mentioned that yesterday. Um, I feel like, and and again, you mentioned I was I was young. I wasn't necessarily watching a whole lot of Syracuse football. I struggle to say that tomorrow wouldn't be worse. I struggle to say that tomorrow wouldn't be worse than those because, and I I know what was going on with Temple at the time. Like I know I, I know the story. I know that they wanted them out of the league, and you know you you don't you don't kick somebody out of a conference lightly. You know that's that's not typically how that goes. Uh, but with that being said, at least they were in your conference. You know, at least they were uh, an FBS program. They they had you know the the scholarship availability and the players of that level, even if they were the absolute worst of the worst in your league, and probably worst in the league that they were going to go to as far as Temple football was concerned. So. I 
I understand why you would say those are worse. I understand even saying Akron, like, hey, it's a MAC team. Um, I, I look at this and say, man, this is an FCS program that's still in year two playing with the big boys. You know, they're they're still at this level that like they shouldn't be good enough to compete with you, let alone come into your building and beat you. Like they, to me, this would still be so much worse. I, I think that it, they're all on the same level because of it's just a bad look, right? I mean, tomorrow from a point spread perspective is not going to be an upset. I mean, Liberty, again, is favored by a field goal. I think it's because it's Liberty, right? The, the Akron game, it's because it's Akron or Temple at the time. You know, I just called up uh, the article from from back then in, uh, in 2004. Uh, they had had 13 straight losing seasons. Um, and it, it just it was it was the. It was just a bad look to lose to Temple, um, you know, to lose to Rutgers. Bad look. And I think tomorrow is on that same level that even though in terms of point spread, it's not an upset. But in terms of, like, the reality, you know, perception is reality. The perception of a loss tomorrow is, man, can it get any worse? Even though, again, Liberty comes here favored, which is a red flag in and of itself. The fact that Liberty is coming to town as a three-point favorite. Right, of course. That's a that's a problem. That's a red flag, as you said, in and of itself. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that you lump all of these together because they give you very much the same feeling. And, and if you want to lump them together, um, you know, what about the, the what about the Middle Tennessee State game a, a couple of years ago? And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that that was a, a terrible, terrible that loss. That one doesn't it was ba- feel it, as bad. No, but it... it it felt as though it killed off some momentum because you felt like you might have had something, right? Like it was what that was that was year three under Dino, year two, under, year two, sorry, year under two Dino. under Dino, coming and, off a four and eight year, and you felt like maybe you were ready to take that next step. You felt like you were ready to to kind of push forward and like, hey, you beat Middle Middle Tennessee State and you're making that step, and then you couldn't. You know, you thought you thought like, hey, maybe we're maybe we're better than this. We 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 have that win against Virginia Tech last year. You feel good about us. Mm, then you get that. Yeah, um, that one to me doesn't feel as bad because of where the program was at the time. No, right? but that there, was still a gut punch. Yes, and no doubt. And it was against your your former head coach, right? I mean, Schaefer. We all know the story. Got fired. Goes to Middle Tennessee State. He's the defensive coordinator there. You know, he comes back to the dome and and he beats you know your new coach with his you know fast paced offense. And um, again, that wasn't a great look at the time either. But given where the program was, you know a year and a game removed from Scott Schaefer being the head coach here and Dino four wins in year one, picked up a win in his opener. Again, you still didn't truly know what you had. You felt like, okay, if they're going to get to six wins in a bowl game, this is one they have to have. So it, it, it was deflating, no doubt. I don't know if it's as deflating, again, from a perception standpoint, as you know, losing to Liberty at home in no, year it would five. Be, no, it would be much worse. It, right. This would be worse. Absolutely. So I think the Middle Tennessee State game is a good example, but I don't think it rises to the same level of, you know, that Akron game, again, it just it felt symbolic of this is not going to get any better. You know, it was just like this is, you know, you, you are what your record says you are. You know, you, you lose to Akron at home by a couple of touchdowns. This is not going to get any better. And the same thing with the losses, you know, to to Rutgers and Temple for Coach P, especially that last loss to Temple. It kind of did him in. It was like, 
just when you think, okay, maybe they can, you know, finish seven and five, and no, you you lose to to that team on the road, and it was like, okay, well, they they snuck in at six and six, went to a bowl game, and got crushed, and and that was the end of the Coach P era. The perception was this program is stuck in a rut when they lost to Temple. The, the perception when they lost to Akron was this isn't going to get any better. And I think the perception tomorrow is going to be if they lose, if they lose, again, this is it, this is if, but if they lose, I think the perception will be this program has taken a big step back from two years ago. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's I don't undeniable know. even if they don't lose. Like, they've well, taken a step back. A, I said a big step back, okay. though. I, I don't know if that's undeniable because I think this year it's – Right, they went from ten to five, and and that felt like a step back. But again, reasons for it. We've discussed the reasons at length. If they lose tomorrow, I think it's going to be symbolic of man, we're right back where we started. You know, we meaning the SU fans talking like that. That man, all that momentum that we had built up, it feels like we're right back to where we started. And again, fair or unfair, I'm not sure that's the case. Win or lose tomorrow. But that's going to be the perception. 315-437-7644. We'll wrap up our number one right after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. It's time to get you what you need to hear. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. I'm a man. I'm 40. But we played in, in some really tough ones over my years, you know, playing at Alabama, then playing in the Dome at UTSA. If you want to crown them, then crown their But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Today's sound check on Orange Nation. All right, and we kick off hour number two of the show with Soundcheck, one of my favorite segments every week. What do you have for us today, Seth? Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad to hear you like it. Uh, let's start. Let's start with a couple of uh, clips from uh, play-by-play and color commentators in the uh, sports world this week, Steve. Uh, this one comes from last Saturday. Gus Johnson on the call of the Red River rivalry. Um, I don't know if you saw the score, but it was kind of crazy back yep. and forth. Oklahoma lining up for a field goal. 31 yards away. Enough said. I, I got nothing. He was just yelling random things. Yeah. Me personally, this was my favorite one. Fox Sports. <laughs> just got to make sure that everybody around the country who plays this soundbite knows exactly where it came from. Should have stopped after college football. Enough said. <laughs> college football. College kickers. That's funny. Uh, let's uh, let's get to another uh, analyst for Fox. Uh, last night on the NLCS, John Smoltz, you know, John Smoltz had a great idea, Steve. I want someone to develop an app for all the second guessers and the know-it-alls that are in our world so that they can click time. You know, timestamp it. This is what I would do. Okay, and wrong. Or, okay, you were right. But all the guys that, all the people that can talk about after the word, words, what they would do. So somebody out there, I know somebody's smart enough, get an app so that we can get all the second guessers and armchair quarterbacks to tell you step by step. 
I think I've heard of an app like that. Called Twitter, is it? Is it not? I think so. He must. Is he? Is he on Twitter? No. Okay, I was gonna look real quick. No, but his his play by play partner, his play by play partner Joe Buck is. So I would think that Joe would slide in and be like John. He didn't step in on that. Got to help you here. Leaving his teammate out to dry a little bit, huh? Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like he's on Twitter. I guess that would make sense. He's, he he hasn't heard of it. Exactly. I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe Joe. Maybe John Smoltz is just old school enough to to stay away from from that. I don't know. If I didn't do this for a living, I don't know as if I would be on Twitter. I would because I'm on Twitter far too often to get off of it now. You are on Twitter a lot. Far too much to get off of it now. Uh, let's stick with the baseball here for a second. Uh, this was a. Uh, this was Walker Bueller after his game one start. Uh, Walker Bueller's pants were trending on Twitter tonight. Um, Pray another time or place, Michael. He was not having any of it. Walker Bueller's tight pants were trending on Twitter. Can I get some context, please? This was a Zoom press conference, and the reporter was going to ask him after they lost 5-1, to one, Hey, why were your pants so tight? And so that was it. They, he cut he was, them off, said, probably not the time, and then left. Got up and walked away. Now I'm curious about these pants. Have you not seen them? Oh, yeah. Okay. I just Twitter them searched up. them. Yeah. They were very tight. Very I mean, tight. Inquiring minds want to know. Do we? Probably not Probably not the time for it, though. He's pro- probably you know, not he, the time. He's probably right. Or the place, Michael. Right. Uh, let's uh, let's get to Mark Melanson, another pitcher in that series. Now, you might know after Game 2, uh, the Braves, they didn't fully blow the lead, but they let up a lot of runs at the end of the game, and it got closer than it should have been. So Mark Melanson was asked about it. Mark, can you look at this as, uh, yeah, you guys almost blew the entire lead, but can you look at it as, hey, we survived, and that's all the postseason's about. You showed something there in the end by, you know, against a team like that. I mean, you're up 2-0 now. However you got there. I don't... I mean, can you take a positive out of it even though you blew most of that lead? You still... We, we didn't blow a lead. I don't, I don't really understand your question. Can you still take something positive out of this? You're still up 2-0 in the series despite, you know, blowing a big lead. Can you leave this thing feeling, you know, good that you survived this game? I think that's a terrible question. I'm not even going to answer it. Sometimes when guys say it's a terrible question, it is a terrible question. Um, I get what he was trying to ask there. I just this don't case, think he asked it very well, well. Right. It was a little clunky, but the the idea by, behind what he's saying, I mean, again, you, you look at what happened in that game. Um, you know, they, they had the big lead. Dodgers came back and made it awfully close. Scored four runs in the bottom of the ninth, and, and they hung on eight seven. Again, maybe and we're little, threatening to right. to score more. Maybe clunky how how he brought it up, but I didn't think it was necessarily a bad question. I think Melanson was uh, not happy with the performance. You know, he gave up a run, and you know the bullpen didn't really do its job. I mean, they got the win, but the bullpen didn't really do its job. So was, I think that was a you know a case of an you know ornery 
professional athlete who wanted to take out his frustrations on somebody. Yeah, the Braves hung on like the like the cat in the motivational poster, where they're like <laughs> hanging to like a tree branch. That was like the Braves bullpen in that game. So yeah. I'd imagine not being so excited about talking about it afterwards. Yeah, I don't think that was necessarily a bad question, though. No. Uh, let's stick with baseball here. And I, I just want to preface this by saying I really, really wish that Ben Sass would keep my sports out of his politics. Um, I'd like to pivot from uh, constitutional structure to baseball for a minute, if you will bear with me. Um, any of your kids play baseball or softball? Um Two of our boys had a very brief career in baseball. Gotcha. Well, I, it's obviously not as great a sport as football, but we can still call it the American <laughs> pastime. Um, and I'd like to talk about um, the Houston Astros, who are miserable cheaters. Uh, sorry, Cornyn uh, and Cruz, uh, but both both of the Texas senators uh, sit on this committee. Um, but I think all baseball fans know that the Houston Astros cheat. Um, they, they steal signs. Uh, they bang on cans. Um, they've done a whole bunch of miserable things historically, and they, they deserve to be punished probably more than they have been. Um, but tonight is game four. Thank goodness the First Amendment protects that right for him to express <laughs> that erroneous opinion. If, if, if you want to defend cheating, that is certainly prerogative of the senior senator. And the junior senator from Texas now rushes into the room to do some homerism. It was going uh, so well. <laughs> Um, I noticed that Ted is wearing a, uh, a Lone Star State flag, uh, but not an Astros mask. Um, tonight is game four in the American League uh, Championship Series. And if uh, Houston loses uh, to Tampa, um, they will be uh, done. And that leads people to feel kind of desperate at times, right? There, there are times when you have a game that's your elimination game. You can imagine people wanting to um, sort of reconsider anything they can reconsider. The ends might justify the means. And you could imagine that the Houston Astros, uh, who've cheated in lots of ways in the past with sign stealing, uh, might try to go to the umpire and try to persuade somebody to expand the strike zone just for Houston in the game tonight. That would obviously be inappropriate, right? Right. <laughs> She didn't know what to say. <laughs> Aside from the fact that, like, realistically, that's a waste of everybody's time in that setting, right? Like, I think that everybody time can agree place, with right? that. Time and place, right? We were just right. talking about time, time and, and place. place. Um, I love the reaction the two times you hear from the poor Supreme Court justice nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, and that the first time is she's asked, do your kids play baseball? And she's like... Sure, but what's that have to do with anything? And, like, you can hear it in her voice. She's like, I don't get why where, you're asking me Where are you going this. with this? And then at the end, where she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Was there more after that? Like, did she? I don't know. Oh. That's all I saw. You know, it's one of those things that so much in, in this country is tearing us apart. Um, it not this one thing that's bringing us together? The Astros cheating and the, everybody can every, hate the Astros? Every, everybody yeah. just hates the Astros. Yeah. Um, I, I heard, I think it was Rain Man who said that yesterday. Um the United States race. Like, let's go. Yeah, it, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Um, everybody is just rooting against the Astros. So, yeah, I think we can all come together in that regard. It's it's also been pointing out in our chat that the uh, the senators on that committee only get five minutes to speak. That clip I just played was a minute 57 seconds. So he essentially wasted half of his time outlining how the Astros are cheaters, which, okay, Congratulations. I guess he had nothing he really wanted to yeah. ask her. I mean, he must not have had anything important. Um, and we've got to end. We've got to end with with sound that we played earlier this week, Steve. Uh, Dan Mullen. 
Uh, crowd was certainly a factor in the game. I will certainly say that. I know our governor passed that rule, so certainly, hopefully, the university administration decides to let us pack the swamp for LSU next week. 100% because that crowd was a major factor in the game. And so I certainly hope our university administration follows the governor. Our governor has passed a rule that we're allowed to pack the swamp. We have 90,000 in the swamp to give us that home field advantage that Texas A&M had today. Uh, they won't be doing that. Right. Game's been postponed. They won't be playing. Um, just because you're allowed to do something doesn't mean you should necessarily do it. I love how he says, well, we're allowed. Let's do it. Right. I'm allowed to eat ice cream for breakfast. It's not a great Should've. idea. Um, you disappointed me. I said if anytime we do this segment, you have to come up with Mike Leach. I guess I'll have to settle things for, for going, Dan Mullen. Things aren't going well for Mike Leach right now. Things are not going well for Mike Leach. He has not been as fun because of it. All right. He I'll scored. Let you off did the you hook. see what they did last week? Yeah. They put up like 700 yards of offense but scored two points? Yeah. I, I, I'll let you off the hook. Next week. All right. No sound check unless you got Mike Leach in it. What about uh what about if I pull up old Mike Leach? Okay. Is that okay? Okay. That'd be good. The women lose their mind. Your fiance's I'm this getting is... married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember this. I one. thought of that right away. I should explain this. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's a, it's wedding advice. The women lose their mind. Your fiance's gonna lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind, and um, and they're going to they're going to barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course my answer was, I don't care. And then, uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or th- that that way? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're going to get caught in a catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And that catch-22 is, well, I want you to be a part of this too. Uh, so what color invitations? Um, all right, the blue ones. Well, I kind of like uh, I kind of like the tan ones. Okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, 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 you want this over. Well, you're not even thinking about it, which is of course true. Uh, what do you want for dessert? I was thinking of strawberry shortcake. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, strawberry shortcake would be good. Well, what about the blueberry pie? Well, I like the blueberry pie. We could have the blueberry pie. Well, I thought you said you wanted the strawberry shortcake, and it's just going to go back and forth, and they're going to play keep this away so from good. you. Until uh, after you're married, there's no answer you can give that is going to be satisfactory or correct. And if you successfully uh, please a few of them, the others will still be, oh, well, I just don't feel like he's that interested. Yeah, okay, so so you need to work late, uh, <laughs> go in the back room and read a lot of books, uh, take the groomsmen out so you make sure that they march in just right and they know exactly, you know, these swell outfits that you picked out or whatever, however you're doing it. Um, and in the end, you'll wish you eloped. Uh, you need to find um, <laughs> excuses uh, that they'll buy uh, to be as far out of harm's way as you possibly can. It's perfect. I mean, it, he he nails it. Although he said, you know, the groomsmen, the, you you know, you can talk them into these these outfits that you picked out. You didn't pick out the outfits. She picked out the outfits for the groomsmen. Yes. Yeah. You you didn't. You don't have much of a say. But whatever you want. I mean, that's. 
That works for that me. That seems to be a good stock answer. Yeah. What, what do you think? What do you want? <laughs> All right. Good. I'm good with it. Just agree. Just be agreeable. That's classic Mike Leach. We need we need so I, we better hope that he starts winning some games. Yeah, I need him to win because the the fun stuff doesn't happen unless he wins. So let's get right. winning some games. We need more of that. All right, and with that, sound check is over. We're going to take a timeout. Full lines remain open at 315-437-7644 back after this on ESPN Radio.